Start the week with Unmade. Setting the agenda for the week in media and marketing. Today, South by Southwest hits Sydney. ARN closes on Kyle Deal. And the end of the upfront season. Unmade. It's Monday, October 16. I'm A-Beauty and good morning, Tim Burrows. Good morning, Abe, and welcome back. We've had a little bit of a gap where you were, you were enjoying a break. How was it? It was good. I, I went uh, on a little bit of a family holiday to Thailand where it was nice and warm as opposed to being cold like it is in Tasmania <laughs> most mornings. Um, yeah, really good time uh, time with the family, time to unplug and unwind and kind of digitally detox. I didn't check my emails for two weeks and stayed off social and yeah, it was a great feeling. Hang on, I'm going to call you out on that because you've already admitted that you listened to last week's Start the Week. No, I did listen to some podcasts, but I didn't check my emails and didn't go on social. So that was uh, that was the kind of... Uh, that was the framework I set for myself. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to give my brain a rest. But I didn't completely switch it off. Uh, well, look, I find it flattering that you think of this as pleasure rather than work, I guess. <laughs> um, I did do some interesting holiday reading, though, Tim. Would you yes, like Yes. Tell me about your holiday reading, because there have been a lot of media books coming out at the moment. I did allude that I'd got a, a, a huge, thick book. And in fact, Hannah, my wife, uh, funnily enough, ended up stealing, and she's ahead of me. But it was uh, Walter Isaacson's... Um, biography on Elon Musk. I've read some of his work before and really liked his style. And I've read books about Elon and, and from different authors. But this is absolutely really, really well written, a great read and just a fascinating insight into the mind of of the man that is Elon Musk. Um, no surprise that Twitter was rebranded to X. He's always loved X as one of the takeaways I've gotten um, with different things throughout his life. But just, Tim, his childhood was was nothing short of utterly, utterly tragic, just his father and the upbringing. And you realise that shaped a lot of who he is today. So and there's a, you know plenty of people throwing stones, but you realise that our upbringing and our really, really early years do a lot um, and, and say a lot for who we become. So that, that was really, really fascinating to read. Yeah, and look, and he, I guess that's the thing, is he's such a fascinating character. I mean, in, in many ways, he's made himself the 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 bad guy really um do you what what sort of sense does walter isaacson kind of bring to it because i i think the only walter isaacson book i've read was the one on steve jobs and that very much was he forgave he forgave him a lot of his sins because i guess he would have arrived he'd have probably been working on this before even the twitter acquisition happened Mm. And he does start to cover that. Um, I haven't gotten to that part yet. And start to cover um, AI and, and his involvement with Sam Altman and OpenAI. Oh, well, say more about that because that's interesting. I can actually, and I did not realise this, Elon Musk was early involved with Sam Altman and essentially part of the creation of OpenAI, they were concerned of the strength that Google were having. And so he, Elon, Elon was friends with Larry Page from Google, um, so much so he would often stay at his place, so goes the story, but was concerned of the, the power that Google would then have and wanted to kind of make that open and available to all and, you know, that other developers could use. It wasn't just a few big corporates, big skyscrapers that had this AI power, but it was really open to all. Um, and so, yeah, he was he was involved with Sam Altman in OpenAI in the early days. OpenAI being the people behind ChatGPT, for instance. Yeah, they've since gone their separate ways because Elon was essentially saying Tesla has got 
probably the most um, um, amount of data that could use, be used to train the model with the millions of images that their cars collect. And then he also mentioned that he realized Twitter doing 500 million posts a day was a treasure trove of data that could be used to train AI bots. So his whole thing is that this is for the greater good. We want to develop AI technology for the greater good. So has since split from Sam uh, and open and, and open AI. But just a fascinating read. And your question, did what Isaacson go soft on, on um, Elon? I don't think so. He's really painted him in some ways you think, goodness, Elon, you're brilliant, but at what cost? Like utterly, I mean, a train wreck emotion, relationally, at what cost is brilliance worth it, I guess, is my question. I mean, yes, some amazing feats achieved, but really, at what cost? I guess you're looking forward to reading the rest of it when Hannah gives it back. Yes, I, I'm looking forward to that. But Tim, you're back in Sydney again, so let's get uh, let's get start the week podcast actually started. You're back in Sydney for South by Southwest. Any early impressions? Yeah, I um, arrived in town yesterday lunchtime, so Sunday. Um, so South by Southwest is, you know, as, as you would know, Abe and our regular listeners would know because we um we talked to Colin Daniels who's the the person who's leading the, the the conference on the ground on on our podcast a few weeks back so it's a it's an attempt to kind of sort of gather not just the media and marketing world but also the kind of the tech world and the music industry as well so it it really only gets started properly today um, so I haven't been to any actual sessions yet, but I, I did go and have a bit of a wander around the site yesterday, which is centred, it's various venues, kind of centred around Darling Harbour in Sydney, you know, at the, the ICC, the Convention Centre, and also um, kind of out towards the the Powerhouse Museum in, in Ultimo. Um, hey, look, I did, I, I popped in on the opening ceremony and it was very quiet. You know, now, in in honesty, there wasn't much to draw people to the opening ceremony. Now, this 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 bit was open to the public. It was in Tumbalong Park, which is um, that site at Darling Harbour when um, when things like the um, the uh, Matildas were playing, for instance. You know, where those big public air um, public screenings are shown. But I was, I, you know, for the kind of welcome from the minister, I'd say may, and, and they also did a welcome to country as well. I'd say there were maybe 30 or 40 people there, you know, so it was, it was not huge. Um, but as I say, I'm not quite sure otherwise than, other than people wandering past what would, you know, what would draw people along to it. So I think today will be the first signal we really get of how it's, um, of how it's going to go. They've been, there's just been a little bit of a kind of growing drumbeat in, um, I think there was a story in the Sydney Morning Herald a few days back suggesting that maybe ticket sales hadn't been where where they necessarily would have liked it uh, to be. Um, and of course, you know, it's it's a big event and a lot of sponsors have put a lot of money into the, into it and, you know, that's meant them pulling money out of other, uh, other events in at least some cases. So... Um, so yeah, so we'll see how it goes for that first one. Any early thoughts about the content so far? Yeah, look, I um one of the things which um has been a bit daunting is working through the program because there is there's a lot of content and of course it's always hard to surface that content particularly when it's 
all going on all at once. Um, and a lot of it was announced quite late in the game. You know, I, I spent my, uh, my flight over from, uh, from Launceston on the South by Southwest app going through everything and starring the sessions that, you know, I thought might be interesting to me. Um, now there are certain themes, you know, kind of some version of social justice is a really big theme. So there's lots about inclusivity. There's lots about, um, kind of closing out the kind of differences with, um, uh, first nations people in Australia, um, things about kind of gender balance, etc. So that's, that's one thing within the industry. You then um, have an awful lot about AI as well. That's been a, that's another sort of major theme. So though, though, those are a couple of big themes. Um, you're then seeing, you know, the, the, the sponsors tend to sort of be pushing their own barrows. So WPP, um, the kind of the big holding company, they're sponsoring um, a stream over at the Powerhouse Museum. And a lot of that obviously is about things, media and advertising, Um once we finish recording this, I'll be running off to um, a session which ARN Media are doing at WPP House, which is about podcasting. Um, so I think one of the kind of feelings for some of this content is, yes, I'm sure it'd be interesting, but would it be content where somebody would necessarily learn enough that they would justify to themselves buying a ticket and i think that's one of the questions um you know some of the kind of keynotes will will be you know might might kind of be the answer to some of that um if i remember rightly when we interviewed colin daniels he flagged the um the kind of the presentation from um the futurist amy webb as one of them um since then they announced charlie brooker who's just one of my favorite writers and TV presenters. So he's on on Wednesday lunchtime. So I am super excited to see that one. So he is best known now as the creator of Black Mirror. Um, but he used to write a wonderfully scathing TV review column for the, uh, for the Guardian back in the day, which was, um, just kind of lacerate, absolutely lacerating. Um, he was kind of like the the Joe Aston of TV reviews, I suppose. Um, so he's a very, you know, he's a very funny, intelligent person. So I think that will be worth seeing. Um, and then I'm um, I'm moderating a panel later in the week um, on uh, retail media, which seems to have become one of unmade specialist subjects. So. I'm doing that as a kind of guest of um, Uber Advertising, who've launched their own retail media uh, network. So there's, um, yeah, there's a there's there's a lot going on. Will this be a competitor for other events? Do you think? Yeah, look, it it will, and it is, and that's been written about a little bit as well because um, you know there are only so many sponsorship dollars around, and they tend to sort of swing around. So, you know, hey, look, you know, I, I, I've been involved in, in some of those shifts myself. So, for instance, when we launched Mumbrella 360 back in 2011, that tended to pick a moment when there was a big conference called AdTech, which used to be held in Sydney, which was at a bit of a low ebb. So some of that money tilted over towards Mumbrella 360. And we've seen since seen reported in the AFR that, you know, Mumbrella's been on a, a, a bit of a low 
you know, kind of low spot commercially. And South by Southwest was flagged as one of the things taking that now, sort of causing that because, you know, sponsors tend to like to go where they see the momentum. And similarly, you know, you've kind of seen over the last couple of years, B&T have launched their Canning Cairns event. Um, we've seen the arrival of Advertising Week, um, APAC here in uh, here in Sydney as well, which was, you know, came along just a little bit before the pandemic. So there, 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 there are a lot of event, local events, and I think that's that's one of the questions here. Although that you know, there's a local team, as I say, led by Colin Daniels. Um, it's it, it it is a US based franchise, so there is just this question of um, has the New South Wales government spent an awful lot of money um, actually damaging the businesses of um, some local players which I think they, they're probably so far removed from the trade press that they may, they may not even realise that's what they're doing. Next, a big week for Kyle and Jackie O. Unmade. It was a big weekend for radio. The winners were announced at the Acura Awards on Saturday night. Good morning, Sedja Alzadi. Would you like to run us through the award recipients, please? Good morning, Abe. That's right. Uh, ACRA is the Australian Commercial Radio Awards. And to nobody's surprise, uh, Kyle and Jackie O were named as the best networked program. And Kyle himself actually received the inaugural Individual Talents of the Year Award for the Metro category. And uh, Amanda and Jonesy, or is it Jonesy and Amanda, I believe, uh, they were crowned the best on-air team for the Metro category. Three AW legend, Neil Mitchell, who's about to retire, he won Best Talk Presenter Metro. And two players from Queensland Radio were inducted into the Hall of Fame, and that was Laurel Edwards from 4BC9 Radio and Steve Price from Triple M Townsville. Funny, uh, interesting story that you probably no one probably cares about. Before they were the Acres, they were called the Ra Awards years ago, and I won Best Newcomer Off Air when I'd first started in production. So that's my <laughs> claim to fame. Um, but it was a star-studded event. Where was uh, where were the Acres held this year? It was at the International Convention Centre, the ICC, uh, the same venue as South by Southwest. Ah, there you go. It would be a fairly busy time for them. But Tim, on to today's AFR and a brilliant segue, I'm thinking. Are the rumours true? Have Kyle and Jackie O really signed a $200 million deal everyone's been speculating about? Reading between the lines, no, I don't think they've signed yet. So AFR, um, the headline the AFR this morning, Kyle and Jackie O to take on Melbourne in new $200 million Kiss FM contract. So that does sound pretty definitive. But when you, when, when you, 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 you read the piece, um, reporting is from Sam Buckingham Jones. Um, I, I think what becomes clear is it's not yet signed. So you, you, you might remember we spoke about this one all oh, two or three weeks back when the, I think it was the Saturday Telegraph. Um, sort of first reported the shape of the deal um, and we then obviously went on and sort of speculated a bit on on, on how it might be structured um, and I think some of um, some of that seems sort of to be be, be be borne out in the reporting um, in the AFR, suggesting that the contract would include a base salary, shares in the company and I think that will be, it'll be interesting to know, I was thinking about that since since 
I kind of speculated on that. I wonder if it'll be options rather than shares, which again would de-risk it for them a bit. But will for the for, for Carl Sanderlands and Jackie Henderson, um, and a slice of the revenue generated, which would then come to a two hundred million deal over ten years, um, or possibly even as the um, AFR is saying, um, up to two hundred and thirty million, depending what it does in uh, in in Victoria. Um, the FR is also being a bit more definitive that this could well involve being networked into Melbourne too, where, of course, it's um, the Jason Lauren show at the moment, which has its own irony because um, Jace Hawkins is, is and Carla, you know, it's a reasonably well-known fact they're quite good mates so it does appear that he's trying to take his mate's job interesting you speculated that the only breakfast show capable of success being networked would probably be kyle and jackie o in your book and look you'd have to be right because networks hang their hat on localism and being local in that market but do you think it could work in mark and what and sorry do you think it could work in melbourne what's the what would be the impact of extending their reach do you think well this this is the massive, massive question. Um, I think the the impact for ARN as a network is to be able to sell something nationally would obviously be such an, uh, a kind of powerful, powerful thing for for marketers, for advertisers, which to a certain extent they get already because they do have networked in the hour of power, which is like an, an hour-long kind of best of yeah which 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 goes out um as a package in the evenings but this would be live so it would it would break all the rules of radio because in theory a commercial radio um breakfast show should only work in the city at which it's aimed so that that's been the thinking for a long long time now um hey, look, you know, in the UK, that's not how it works at all. So there are other markets where where, where other structures work. So so I think it, it's going to be absolutely fascinating to watch. And, and absolutely, it would be a gamble. If anyone can make it work breaking rules, though, I think that team of Kyle and Jackie O can. Yeah. Like, for me, the, the biggest risk of it, I think, is for, for AOM Media is if it doesn't work or if... Kyle blows up, and although he's less volatile than he used to be, he's still volatile, then all of ARN's eggs are in that one basket. So I think that's that's the risk. But, but it's a far bigger risk to lose them to another network. So, you know, I think probably they'll, they'll get there. Um, reading this story, it feels like they haven't quite yet signed the deal. Um, and, of course, you... You, you you also read these things with the kind of the, the radar of who is it who wants this story to get out there? Who is it who can kind of gain the most? And I know it says, you know, it's all anonymous sources and no comment from everybody, but clearly somebody is talking and it's clearly somebody who wants that story to get out there and, you know, the numbers to get out there and presumably put the pressure on um, ARN to get the deal done or possibly put some pressure on um, SCA to come back and make, make a counter deal. But at the moment, that's quite tricky for them because there's still more than a year left to run on the existing contract. So it's um, it would be pretty hard to jump in for someone else at this stage. Next, the end of upfront season approaches. Unmade. 
Tim, upfront season is wrapping up at last, but there's still a few more legs of the race. Before we start there, though, let's catch up on last week. What happened with car sales and Val Morgan? Yeah, it feels at the moment, doesn't just feel it, it's real. I'm spending more time in Sydney than Tasmania. So last week, uh, car sales did their version of Upfronts, which is called Open House. So it's the second time they've done that. And it, 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 it for in their case, it's, a, it's an opportunity to talk to marketers in the automotive category. So that's broadly cars, but also kind of associated stuff around finance. And just really show off, well, I suppose in part the tech stack, but also to kind of try and lay claim to that whole marketing funnel from, you know, the moment when a consumer is first thinking about buying a car to when they start narrowing down their choices and their thoughts to, you know, eventually two or three options and then eventually down to the dealership. So it was all about showing off the options for doing that. And, and they, 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 they did a very good job of it, actually. Um, you know, it's, it, it could be quite a dry, topic obviously but they, they they chose good ways of telling the story and similarly um the other one from um from this week was val morgan the people who sell the cinema advertising and um they rolled out um as i wrote about in best of the week on saturday ross honeywell the social demographer i suppose social scientist who he writes a lot about neos um which is this um comes from the greek word for new um, but this kind of, he reckons there's about 5 million Australians who are open to doing new things, new experiences. Um, they, they also have the money to do it as well. So this isn't, but it's, it's, it's about a state of mind as well as just having enough disposable income. So this is something he's, this is a, you know, a hobby horse he's ridden for a while and certain marketers for a long time, you know, have, have actually had some sort of neo strategy because the idea is if you target neos successfully, then other people will then follow the neos. So it's a smart way of spending your advertising dollars how is that related to val morgan though well that's the yeah that's a very good question and 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 what val morgan have now done is they have plugged into roy morgan research's data and obviously roy morgan have got one of the biggest kind of um databases of consumer behavior in the country and created the argument that neos are a lot more likely to go to the movies and the more neo someone is the more they will. So they over-index. So they sort of provided that evidence based on the Roy Morgan data that says, you know, you're 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 as likely to catch um or more likely to catch a Neo at and they offer the the you know the, the some examples at Barbie, at Oppenheimer. So they were making the argument that um if you then kind of plan your advertising, you know, at the the, the places where Neos will be, and that tends to be often you know kind of um kind of the closer to metro so the most neo cinema in the uh, in the country which i found myself nodding along because i've i've been in there and i've seen the sort of people who go along is the orpheum in cremorne on the leafy posh wealthy north shore of sydney um so that you know that that argument is that your 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 dollars are best spent now of course it is an argument um and that's the other thing for me is i i always find these every upfront's argument incredibly seductive at the time 
and then gradually and then like you know as i did this one and then i get emails saying well you know we tried a neo strategy when where i worked and it didn't work it's not really a segment at all so that's the alternative point of view on it so tim what upfronts are still yet to come yeah, we're nearly at the end now. So this week is seven. When I took my walk along to Tumbalong Park, there was seven house, um, which was sort of abandoned yesterday. There wasn't anybody in there um, yet. And then they're, they're running their upfronts on Wednesday at the ICC. So I think that that for me is, and I do, it is in my nature to go along thinking, oh, I don't know how they're going to pull something out of the bag. And then being wowed by by the production side of things. But for me, Seven have got such a challenge this time around because Nine have had the Olympics to talk about and as a multi-platform thing. Um, and of course, you know, these days their rival Nine is a much more multi-dimensional company, whereas Seven broadly is free-to-air television network um, with a legacy publisher. Um, plus, yes, they do have... Um, uh, advertising supported streaming so it feels to me like their story is gonna have to be about avod um advertiser uh, advertiser supported video on demand because that's the only story they've got but so they're gonna have to make the argument that they can be the premium destination for avod um so they you know along with uh, uh, and i'm sure they'll along with that they'll hang the hook of soon we'll have the digital rights for AFL as well, which they haven't up until now. They only had the kind of linear rights. So I I, I feel that's the main thing, unless they have some big announcement. Um, but, you know, I suspect if we're talking about this next week, I'll be full of enthusiasm having, uh, having them watched it. And just quickly, Omedia, Foxtel and SBS still to come? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so um, this is... Uh, Oh, really then the very last of them so the, these are both next week for O-Media and Foxtel so O-Media are running the outfronts um, that's towards the start of next week and then Foxtel are taking over Darling Island for theirs at the end of next week um, so I will get along to all of those and then sadly because I'm having a quick trip to uh, New York and the UK. I'm going to miss the SBS event. So I think the challenge for them right at the tail end of the season is how do they set the agenda in a new way? And I, I just, it, it strikes me that probably with SBS, they'll find ways beyond just talking about the content. They'll talk about how they trade with the market or something like that, perhaps. Well, that is it for today. We would love to hear what you think at letters at unmade.media. That's letters at unmade.media. Sedgy will be back tomorrow with Choose Data, tackling the evolution of Aussie's response to the voice referendum. Don't forget, if you want to support Unmade, you can become a paying member. Go to unmade.media to find out how. Today's podcast was produced with the usual enthusiastic support of Abe's Audio. See you next time. Toodle pep. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.